Welcome to the teaching ministry of Dr. Benji Kelly and New Hope Church. We're so glad you've joined us for this week's podcast. We're currently in a series entitled, Elijah. From the Kareth Ravine to the top of Mount Carmel, Dr. Kelly is currently leading us through 1 Kings as we discover some amazing truths associated with the prophet Elijah. So grab your pen and paper, because here's Dr. Kelly with this week's podcast. How are we doing today, church? You guys doing good? I actually can... Uh can tell that the worship here at the Durham campus was, um, how shall we put it, at a whole nother level. That was incredible, church, incredible. And yeah, praise, praise the name of the Lord. And, and I, I just trust and believe that it was the same exact way at all the other campuses Hey, uh, before, before I get in today, I, I just want to let you know that if you follow me on Twitter, you know this. Um, I, I left this past week and I went out of town for uh, three nights and four days. And uh, I didn't go far. I just went on the other side of Sanford, in fact. Um, but I locked myself into a hotel room. Um, seriously, seriously. I know that's what drug addicts usually do. Um, <laughs> I just thought about that. Uh, like, like, like 28 years ago, that's what I was doing. Um, but... But now I go, and I do this about three or four times a year, and I lock myself into a a hotel room, and uh, no interruptions, and I just, I seek the heart of God, and I pray, and this time I was praying and planning out the fall, and uh, the the time with the Lord was so rich, and, and I come back here just reminded of a few very, very important things. One, uh, there is a God in heaven. Two, I am not him. Neither are you. Three, I love you guys. I'm just, I'm just so honored to, to serve you and know you and love you and, and all of that. And I just, I want you to know that I never take it for granted. I, I, I'm just in awe of what God is doing here with us. And, uh, and God just really moved in my heart and in my life. This week, and I'm so fired up about the fall. And it actually kind of reminds me uh, of an email that I want to share with you. Um, Remember last week when, for just a brief moment, I spoke about Ferguson, uh, Missouri, and I I talked about the fact that when we gather as a church here every Sunday, the kingdom of God is breaking out among us. Like in physical, tangible, uh, visible ways. I got this email this week, and just really moved me. I think you'll be blessed by it. I happened to just call this guy on my way out of town. I was on my way uh, down towards Sanford, and I just felt led to call this guy. He's, a, he's our new hoper. He's been here a while. I called him. His name is Blake. He's married to Jess, and they are great with child. And when I say great with child, I mean like really great with child. I mean like child's not coming. I mean like inducing labor Tuesday. That great with child, right? And, uh, and he, he emailed me back the next day after I called him. He goes, thank you for the phone call yesterday. It was great to hear from you and have a chance to share with you for a few minutes. We ran out of time on the phone, but I want to share one more thing. This past Sunday was the most powerful moment my wife and I have experienced in our four years at New Hope. We sat in the back of the church with our friend who is homeless living in a tent and struggling in many aspects of his life, but he finds love and joy and acceptance in our church. He comes to us regularly, and he really hates to miss any Sunday. 
When we were sitting there, we were surrounded by mostly African-American brothers and sisters in Christ. But the funny thing is that we didn't notice this until you asked us to greet someone who was obviously different than ourselves. That's when it happened. Here, here was the kingdom just breaking out on earth as it is in heaven. He, he says this. Then it happened, this unbelievable, overwhelming, joyous outpouring of love began to permeate the room. It was truly amazing. It wasn't the typical handshake greeting. It was hugs and words of blessing. And before I knew it, we were both in tears, overwhelmed by what had just happened. Because of that moment, I was reminded of the supernatural favor and blessing that God has put on our church and how God has completely destroyed the typical racial and socioeconomic divisions of our world and brought us all together by the power of the cross. And then he says, wow, exclamation point. May God continue to bless you and our church, and may we all remain faithful to his calling and serve him with humility and love. Blake and Jess. That's good stuff, church. That's good stuff, church. Amen. That is good. Yeah, yeah. And I I know they're celebrating at the campuses because they had very similar things going on there. Let's pray together. Father, thank you. Thank you for waking us up today. God, you didn't have to. Thank you for growing this church, God, right here in the epicenter of North Carolina, spreading into South Carolina, into Columbia, God, into Kenya. God, thank you for what you are doing, and thank you that we get to be a part of it. God, would you keep us focused on The cross, as Blake said, God, would you keep us humbled before the cross? Would you keep us ever mindful of the fact that what we are experiencing is not normal? And God, we pray that it would become normal. God, we pray for the world. We pray that your kingdom would break out in ways, God, that we can't even begin to fathom here today. And God, it begins with this very subject that I'm going to Talk about today, God, would you take our minds and think through them? God, would you take our hearts and fill with them? Lord Jesus, would you take my lips and speak through them today? For if you do not speak, then absolutely nothing of any significance whatsoever will have been spoken. We pray it in Jesus' name. And the new hope people of God said, Amen. Man. Okay, open up your Bibles to 1 Kings. 1 Kings 18, right where we left off last week. I want to give a warm shout out and a welcome to all of our campuses. There are many, many, many campuses. Also, just feel led to welcome the college students back. I know you guys have been out and you're kind of descending back in the area. Welcome. We love when you guys are back around. Yeah, you can clap for the college students. Absolutely. Love it. So last week, we looked at 1 Kings 18, that epic battle between Elijah... And the 450 prophets of Baal. One man against 450 false prophets. Can I just let you know that Elijah was one bad dude? I mean, I'm talking about whipping up on some tail and taking names. 
bad to the bone, wore them out, whipped them out. And here we go. We're going to just catch back up just a little bit with where we were. If you missed part one with Elijah in the Kareth Ravine or part two, 1 Kings 18, you can pick up that in the Resource Center today. And you can, in fact, pick up the entire series today if you're interested in that. But in chapter 18, verses 36 through 37... We flew right past it last week, but it's very, very important that I focus us on these few verses that I didn't address last week before we then pick up right where we left off and read the rest of the chapter. So I'm going to actually be reading verses 36 and 37 of 1 Kings 18. Hear the word of the Lord. At that time of sacrifice, the prophet Elijah stepped forward and what church? See, we didn't even talk about prayer last week. At that time, the time of the sacrifice, the prophet Elijah stepped forward and prayed. Lord, the God of Abraham and Isaac and Israel, let it be known today that you are God in Israel and that I am your servant and have done all these things at your command. Answer me, Lord. Answer me so that these people will know that you, Lord, are God and that you are turning their hearts back again. What we didn't hit on last week and really warrants us going back and establishing today as we wrap up this series is that Elijah the prophet, the bad dude who whipped up on 450 prophets, was a man of prayer. Did you hear me? Elijah was a man of big, bold prayer. And here's what I know about talking about the subject of prayer. Every single person in here, every single person at our campus, every single person watching this anywhere around the world, me included, all of us need instruction and encouragement and challenge when it comes to prayer. I don't know what it is about prayer, but prayer is something that we all can get better on. And so Elijah, this unbelievable man of God, the prophet of God, who God brought into human history to turn the hearts of the people back toward God, received his power and his anointing and his favor undergirded in prayer. And so if you will just lean in today. If you'll take out your notes and just turn over that blue sheet of paper and just write in some notes or in your Bible and take some notes and lean in and listen for the Word of God to speak to you today, here's what I know that I know. You will leave here today changed by the power of God. You will leave here today, and I am believing, and I've been praying it all week long, that you would leave here today and your prayer life would be changed forever. Anybody want it? Let me hear an amen. 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 Let me, let me get you to just go back to the text. Back to the text. Verses 39 through 45. Let's go get this today. 39 through 45. When all the people saw this, they fell prostrate and cried, The Lord, He is God. The Lord, He is God. Now that's where we ended last week. Okay? So let's see what happens next. Verse 40. Then Elijah commanded them, seize the prophets of Baal. Don't let anyone get away. Right? They seized them and Elijah had them brought down to the Kishon Valley and he slaughtered them there. Now when the Bible says that he slaughtered them there, what that actually means is that he slaughtered them there. 
<laughs> I'm talking slaughtered them. I'm talking one man, sword in hand, whipping up on some false prophets. Now, you, you nonviolent pacifists, you don't like that. I don't know what to say about that. Ready? Here we go. Verse 41. And Elijah said to Ahab, Go, eat and drink, for there is the sound of heavy rain. Now, it has not rained in three and a half years. Remember, Elijah was the one who stopped the rain. He says, I hear rain. So Ahab went off to eat and drink, but Elijah climbed up to the top of Carmel, Mount Carmel, right where the battle took place last week. He bent down on the ground. Now get a visual of this. He bent down on the ground and put his face between his knees. I mean, just humbled himself, leaned his head down between his knees. Go and look toward the sea, he told his servant. And he went up and he looked and there is nothing there, he said. Seven times. How many times? Seven times, Elijah said, go back. And and every time the servant would go away, Elijah would just drop his head again between his knees and just keep praying and praying and praying. Seven times he sends the servant back. And he went up and he looked. There is nothing there, he said. Seven times, Elijah said, go back. Verse 44. The seventh time the servant reported a cloud as small as a man's hand is rising from the sea. A cloud as small as a man's hand. So do me a favor here. My, my kids caught me doing this about a, a couple months ago when I was actually thinking about this message and where I was going to go with it. Uh, just, just hold your hand up. Everybody hold your hand up. Put your fist out. Now close one eye. Close one eye. And look at your fist. So Elijah is sitting there and the servant comes back and says, there's a cloud. It, it's, it's rising way out there over the sea. It's about the size of your wrist. It's a small little cloud, a puny, little pathetic, little cloud. Sky's blue. There's one little cloud way out there rising over the sea. So Elijah said, I love this, go and tell Ahab, hitch up your chariot and go down before the rain stops you. You get it? There's one little cloud out there and Elijah says, oh, you better just go. You better go and hook up your chariot. Because the rain is coming. It's going to stop you, so you better go now. Verse 45. Meanwhile, the sky grew black with clouds. The wind rose. A heavy rain started falling, and Ahab rode off to Jezreel. The power of the Lord came on Elijah, and tucking his cloak into his belt, he ran ahead of Ahab all the way to Jezreel. It's an incredible passage. The Word of God for us, the people of God. Amen? Amen. If you're taking notes, you want to write this down. Here's what you need to know about prayer. Effective prayers are humble prayers. I just love the sound of all the paper turning and everybody grabbing the pen. You write this stuff down, it'll stick with you and you'll remember it ten times better. Effective prayers are what, church? Humble, Humble prayers. Say it with me. Humble 
prayers. Elijah climbs up on top of Mount Carmel. He drops his head between his knees and he just prays. And what I want you to point out is he prays with incredible humility. He's basically praying, God, you're big and I'm small. God, we need rain. You can do it and I cannot. And he prays this unbelievable prayer that is laced with humility. He goes up on top of Mount Carmel. I want you to picture it. He's got his North Face gear on. He's got his little GPS system. And in all humility, he just humbles himself. And he prays before Almighty God. Not only is he humbled on the inside, but get this. He's humbled physically. He, he drops his head down. He bows his head. It's not enough for him to just drop his head down. I mean, he sits down and he puts his head between his knees. And he prays with this unbelievable humility. God, you are creator. God, you are sustainer. God, you control the weather systems. Like, like if it me, I would have wanted to go check out the local meteorologist. I, I'd want to see, what, is it, what does the meteorologist say? Like, if there's just a little old cloud out there the size of your fist, I, I'd be thinking, I want at least a 50% chance of rain. Right? And he prays, and he prays with this unbelievable humility. When you pray... When you live out your faith, would, would you be considered a humble person? Would you, would you be considered someone who actually understands your place in life and God is God and you are not and you're just humble? You just know that, hey, if God doesn't show up in this situation, nothing's going to get done. Are you, are you a humble person? I heard Don Shula speak one time. He he was, for those of you who don't know, Don Shula was the coach of the Miami Dolphins a long time ago. He's an older man now, but he was a great, great coach for the Miami Dolphins. And Don Shula was telling about a time he was on vacation up in Maine. And uh, he was trying to stay away from the fans. He was trying to lay low. He was on vacation. So he had his hat down low, right? He had his sunglasses on. And Don Shula walks into a movie theater in Maine. And as soon as he walks in, the whole place starts clapping. And so he, he just, he thought, well, I guess they know. And so he walks down and he starts shaking everybody's hand. Hey, hey, how you doing? Good to be here. Hey, hey, how you doing? Hey. And finally he gets to one guy and the guy goes, who are you? <laughs> and Don Shula said, I'm Don Shula. I'm coach of Miami Dolphins. I figured y'all knew that. That's why you were clapping. The guy goes, are you crazy? The manager told us he wasn't going to start the movie until 20 people got here and you were the 20th person. <laughs> Isn't that great? I love that, man. Humility. You know what I'm saying? And here's the deal. If you're not humble, God will humble you. And he usually uses your spouse. I'm just saying. <laughs> My granddaddy, God rest his soul, passed away about five years ago, was, was a great man of God. That's where godliness was in my family. That was about it. I, my family went away, and so I didn't grow up in the church at all. But granddaddy and grandma were godly people. They bought two things when they got married, a Bible and a coffee pot. Glory, hallelujah. But my granddaddy lived to see this church start to take off, and he lived to see us launch it, and he lived, he lived for the first eight years of this church's life, and then he passed. One of the last things granddaddy said to me was he said this. He said, son, the higher a monkey goes in life, 
The higher a monkey goes up a tree, if you will, my granddaddy said, the more of his, you see. The higher, y'all like that, don't you? The high, he, my granddaddy, right before that, he said, son, the higher a monkey goes up the tree, the more of his rear end. Rear end, you see. Except, as you know already, he didn't say the word rear end. He said that word that, well, it rhymes with that company out in the research triangle part, SAS. <laughs> the higher a monkey goes up the tree, the more of his SAS, you see. That's a good word. That's a good word for successful people. Successful people, those of you who are successful, be very, very careful. And effective prayers are humble prayers. The Bible says this in James 4.10. Why don't you read this verse out loud with me? James 4.10. I mean really strong. You guys are so dialed in today. Ready, go. Humble yourselves before the Lord and He will... Oh, let's just read it again. It's so good. Ready, go. Humble yourselves before the Lord and He will... Now just, just think about that passage. Humble yourselves before who? And then comes this scriptural promise. If you humble yourself before God, the promise is He will what? So, so the beautiful thing about Christianity is... Christianity is not about upward mobility. Hello, successful people. Christianity is about downward mobility. And what's really, really cool, to the extent to which I move downward in humility, God lifts me up. Come on now. Because when I humble myself in downward mobility, God lifts me up. And when you do that, God gets all the glory because God's using a humble person who's going to point people to Jesus Christ, the one who lifts them up. Effective prayers are humble prayers. Here's the second thing if if you're taking notes. Effective prayers are specific prayers. They're what? What? Now, can I just be real honest with you? I struggle with this one. And I think i got a good reason. I struggle with this one because I, I have a high theology of who God is. Like, God is awesome. Amen? Sovereign. Omnipotent. Omnipresent. God is God. Amen? So not only do I have high theology, I have a high Christology. Now, what that means is I have a high theology of Christ. And so can I just be real with you for a moment? Plus, I'm just kind of a get-it-done, action-oriented kind of guy. This can be my prayer sometimes. God, you're awesome. You know what I need. You know what the world needs. I'm going to go to work for you. Peace out. (laughs) Come on, come on. Anybody, Anybody else like that? I can't. I'm just, I'm just being real here. It's like, man, I, I, God, I'm going to go take the mountain for you. And I don't need to tell you anything because you know everything. And, 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 and what, this text, <laughs> what this text reminds me, convicts me, is about the need to pray with precision specificity. To pray and name specifically the things we are asking God to pray 
Elijah was very, very specific. God, we need some rain. Over and over and over. Very specifically, God, give us some H2O from heaven. I'm talking Millie Vanilli praying for the rain. <laughs> That's an old throwback right there. Young people are going, what's he talking about? <laughs> Specifically, praying for rain. He was very, very specific. And I don't know about you, but maybe this is a good word for you. Maybe you need to be reminded to not pray general prayers. But to pray specific prayers. Man, we got a great story of this on our staff. Uh, Nate Mariner is the Sanford campus pastor. I can just hear the Sanford campus clapping for him right now. I'm sure they're just going bonkers. From they love them some Pastor Nate. Pastor Nate uh, has this beautiful, he and Angie have this incredible family. They have two girls. And uh, they, just, they just gave birth. And when I say they, I mean Angie. She just gave birth to a precious little girl, and I love this name. They couldn't have done any better. Caroline Grace. Isn't that not beautiful? I love me some double names. I got Amy Lynn. I got Anna Grace. I love that. Caroline. Let me show you a picture of Caroline Grace. Amy Lynn and I went and saw her the other day. Look at this cutie patootie. Look at that little thing. All right, that's Caroline Grace. She's just born. But they have this other girl, the older daughter, named Eva. And let me show you a picture of Eva. Look at this. Look at that cute little thing. <laughs> That's awesome. Well, a few, a few um, I guess it's been a month or so ago now, they started to notice that Eva started bruising very, very easily. I mean, serious bruising. You, know, you pick a child up, and the child bruises in the side where you pick her up. I mean, it was very, very um, worrisome and, and troubling to them. And so they, they actually started to see a doctor, and I asked Nate to just kind of share some of the story with me today via email, though we've been talking about it and praying about it for about a month now. And this is what he says. We immediately scheduled an appointment with her pediatrician to get some answers. Like most parents would, we began preparing our hearts for the worse, as we didn't know if we were looking at the possibility of something extremely serious like hemophilia or even leukemia. Come to find out, the bruising all over her body was happening due to a platelet destruction. Now stick with me. Eva was diagnosed with, and I know I'm going to butcher this, but hey, I'm not a doctor, idiopathic thrombocytomnia purpurea. It's three words in there that long. And doctors probably know exactly what I'm talking about. Idiopathic thrombocytomnia purpura. It's ITP. ITP. Short. This is a condition thought to be caused by a virus that results in your body attacking its platelets and killing them. In the human body, listen closely, there should be normally 150,000 platelets per unit of blood. In Eva's case, her levels had dropped to 36,000 platelets per unit. If they dropped to 20,000 or less per unit, she would be in danger of having a bleed on the brain or possibly internal bleeding, which would put her life at risk. We returned to the pediatrician three days later to have some more blood drawn to see if there was any change in her condition. The change was for the worse, and I remember when they got this news. Her platelet count had dropped to 30. 
thousand from 36,000 just prior. Since physicians aren't really sure what causes ITP, treatment options were very limited and had no proven results. This left Angie and I feeling helpless as to how to move forward medically, but we remain rooted in prayer, believing that where the doctors and the physicians may not have an answer, the great physician would have the answer and hold their daughter in the palm of his hand. And so the Sanford Church started praying. The staff started praying. I remember praying with staff members around here, and we just prayed and prayed and prayed for little Eva. I remember praying specifically that God would increase her platelet count. Specific prayers. I'm going to skip some of this. He, he, he goes on for just a moment. And then he says this. Over the past several weeks, Eva was about at her wit's end with getting poked and prodded. There's only so much that a three-year-old can take. Fighting back the tears, she endured the next round of testing as best as she could. As we waited for the next several hours with the caring and wonderful staff of Duke University Medical Center, we simply kept focusing on and putting our trust in God, asking Him to do what the doctors could not. Having just had her levels checked two days before the results came back, the doctors were blown away, reporting that her platelet count had jumped to more than 78,000 platelets per unit. It had more than doubled. Eva was officially out of any danger of internal bleeding and on the road to complete healing. One more paragraph or two. While the doctor said there is no explanation of why someone suddenly begins to recover, we know with great certainty exactly why this happened. We thank God for his healing hand in our daughter's body. Come on, church. Come on. Pastor Nate, Angie, Eva, Caroline Grace, we love you guys and love this story. It will be filed away in my preaching folder for a long time. Here's my question to you. Do you think God would have answered the prayers or healed his daughter if we had not prayed specifically? I don't know, to be honest with you. God could have because God is God. Amen? But the point I'm making, don't miss this. Something powerful happens when a man or a woman humbles themselves, humble prayers first, and then prays out of that humility, great, specific prayers and God in this case honored them and their daughter is well on her way to healing and recovery let the church say amen it's good stuff church good stuff here's the third thing effective prayers are persistent prayers effective prayers are what persistent prayers Elijah humbled himself and he prayed he told his servant, now go to the sea. Go to look over the sea. Look for the rain. The, 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 the servant would leave the mountain and go look out over. Let me give you a scene. Let me give you a visual of this. If you ever go to the Holy Land with me, we'll take you here. Here is Elijah on top of Mount Carmel. It's a statue of him. Again, they're just trying to, trying to emulate this bad dude, Elijah. Sword in hand. That's right on top of Mount Carmel. For those of you who went with me a few years, you know that's right where we stood. 
Now let me give you another view looking back toward Mount Carmel. Look at this massive mountain of God. Look at that. You see the little road that winds you up there. Elijah kept saying to the servant, hey, go look. Go look for the clouds. Go look for the rain. And how many times did he tell him to go? How many? You remember the story? Seven times. Seven times. Again, this is where a high theology can kind of get in your way. You can say, well, why do I need to keep praying? Come on, God's God. God's sovereign. Hello, God heard me the first time. Anybody ever feel like this? Come on, is it just me? Anybody ever feel like you don't want to keep praying about something because you kind of don't want to bother God? Like I sometimes when I think God's there in heaven going, there goes BK again. <laughs> praying again, the same old. And so I, I, I can kind of back off. And this passage powerfully reminds us, hear me church, that there is great power in persistent prayers. Effective prayers are humble prayers. Right? Effective prayers are specific prayers. And effective prayers are persistent prayers. I'm talking about praying over and over and over again. Elijah is laser focused on his specific prayers. He prays with incredible humility. But here's what you need to know. Elijah doesn't allow the outward circumstances of what's going on around him to affect his inward assurance. Now, you don't need to miss that, church. Elijah doesn't let the outward circumstances or the existential circumstances that are surrounding us day in and day out, he doesn't allow that to derail him or, 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 or shortchange the inward assurance that he has deep in his soul that I'm going to keep praying and God's going to start moving. Unbelievable teaching of Scripture. James 5.16. You read the last verse from James so well. Let's read it together. Ready? Go. The effective, fervent prayer of a avails much. The effective, what's that next word? Fervent, persistent, tenacious prayers of a righteous man, of a righteous woman does what? Avails much. Let me give you a little acrostic for you to remember. If you, if you get anything, you, you want to write this down. Everybody say, push prayer. Push prayer. That's, that's pretty good, but you can do a lot better than that. Push prayer. Push, P-U-S-H. Push. Write this down. This will change the way you pray. Christians, men and women of God, men and women of God like Elijah, men and women who tap into the power of God, learn to, to push pray. Push pray. P-U-S-H. H, I'm talking they pray until something happens. They pray until what? Something happens. It's a simple way for you to remember that your prayer life should remain persistent. I don't have time to, to read it for you right now, but do me a favor. Why don't you, by the time the sun goes down today, why don't you open up your Bibles to Luke 18? Why don't you read Luke 18? Because Jesus would say, in the New Testament, he would tell this parable about a widow and a judge. And in the very beginning of the parable, Jesus lets you know, hey, I'm telling you this story, I'm telling you this parable, so that you will know to keep praying and not give up. And then he tells this story. He says, there was once this judge in a city. 
And the judge didn't care about God or pay any attention to God. But there was this widow who kept coming to the judge and hounding him and hounding him and hounding him and hounding him. And the judge finally got fed up with it. If you study the original Greek language there, the Bible is basically saying, the judge says, I'm sick and tired of this crazy old widow. And if I don't answer her, she's going to wear me out. The best translation of that verse is she's going to give me a black eye. Luke 18, 1 through 8, go read it. So Jesus tells this story. And the judge who doesn't love God, doesn't care about God, doesn't care about God's people, says, because this crazy old widow will not leave me alone, I'm going to grant her request. Do you pray with that kind of tenacity? That kind of persistence? I usually don't, and so I've been challenged this week in getting ready to share this with you. I've been reminded that effective prayers are what? What's the first one? Effective prayers are what? Humble prayers. Effective prayers, number two, are what? Specific prayers. Number three, effective prayers are persistent prayers. And here's the last one. I love this. It's going to rock your world. Effective prayers are expectant prayers. They're what? They're expectant prayers. I'm telling you this fourth thing will blow your stinking mind. Elijah, he's up on top of Mount Carmel. He's humbled himself. He's prayed specifically. He's prayed persistently. Seven times he sends the servant out. He's prayed and he's prayed and he's prayed. He's not quitting and right there in verse 44 let's let this be our last verse of scripture that we read together first kings 18 44 let's read it out loud ready go the seventh time the servant reported elijah there is a cloud as small as a man's hand that is starting to rise from the sea as dickie v would say now freeze it so elijah look at what elijah does I mean, the servant says there's a small cloud out there. So Elijah, Elijah says, go and tell Ahab right now, brother, you better hitch up your chariot because the rain is going to come down and it will stop you if you don't go right now. What are we seeing here? We're seeing a man of God. We're seeing a prophet who prayed expectantly. When you pray, do you pray expectantly? That is, when you pray, do you expect God to move on your behalf? When you pray, do you kind of move away from your prayer closet going, well, I don't think God's going to answer that one. Or, you know, God let me down that one time before. Yeah, and by the way, some of you skeptics out there, you're sitting there, some of you have had bad experiences in prayer. I understand. I get that. I'm not saying that God will always answer your prayer the way you want him to. Hello. Hello. Because some of you are sitting there going, but he, he needs to address that one. Sometimes God's answer to your prayer will be no. But God always answers your prayers. And do you pray them expectantly, believing that he is God? This goes back to the humility. Believing that he is God and he can do what you have asked him to do. Do you pray expecting God to do something? I remember meeting an old farmer one time. 
Yeah, I wasn't even a, I wasn't even a Christian yet. I was actually I was actually going dove hunting. I was in a dove field in South Carolina. Any, any dove hunters in the house? About five of you. God bless you. Come on, let's have a life group, you and I. Let's do some life together. <laughs> Labor Day weekend's coming, baby. It's about that time of year. Maybe that's why I thought of this story. And again, some of you pacifists, you know, you're 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 mad at me now for being a hunter. Um, I love you. I love you. Uh, I, I was I was in a dove field as as a young boy. I was about 12 years old, and th- there was not a, there was not a cloud in the sky, not a cloud in the sky. And we were meeting because we had we always had grill outs before the Labor Day weekend. And, and 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 an old farmer came up in his camouflage and his dog, and he was ready to go dove hunting. Not a cloud in the sky. We were going dove hunting. He had a shotgun in one hand and an umbrella in the other. I wasn't a Christian. And I remember one old man asking him, why in the world do you have an umbrella in your hand? He said, well, you know we've had a dry summer and I've been praying for rain. As a 12-year-old boy, I filed that away. There was a man who was expecting God to answer the prayer and bring rain upon his crops. Powerful. When you pray, Do you expect God to do something in your life? Verse 45 and 46. Meanwhile, the sky grew black and clouds and the wind rose and a heavy rain started falling. And Ahab rode off to Jezreel and the power, the what? The power of the Lord came on Elijah. And tucking his cloak into his belt, he ran ahead of Ahab all the way to Jezreel. Man of God, expectant that God would do that which he, listen to me, that which he humbled himself and prayed, that which he specifically named out before Jehovah God, that which he prayed with incredible persistence, man of God was expecting God to move in his life. Are you? Are me? Am I? Are me? How's that for you? <laughs> Am I? Are we? Expecting, If you will go forth from this place today, if you will take these four principles of, of prayer that we learn straight from this short little passage at the end of 1 Kings 18, we learn from this man of God, Elijah, I can promise you, I can promise you, I can promise you, your prayer life will go to the next level. And therefore, God will start to intervene and move more powerfully on your behalf. In the name of the Father and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen? Do you receive it? Let me hear you praise the Lord. Do you receive it? Let's pray together. God, thank you. Thank you for what we see in this prophet's life. Father, would you unleash a tidal wave of prayer in this church? God, would we be men and women who humble ourselves, trust you, and pray with everything that we have. God, would we be men and women who who are not content with general esoteric prayers, but would we be men and women who drill down, who take 
the time and the discipline to drill down. Pray specifically, God, for the things that are on our hearts. To pray specifically for those we love. To pray specifically for our church. God, I'm reminded even as I'm praying, would we be ever mindful of the fact that you are a God who longs to hear from us. You are a God who is not too busy. Just last week as we looked at this epic battle, God, Elijah was taunting the false prophet saying, your God must be too busy. Father, thank you that you are sovereign. That you inhabit the praises of your people. That you tell us in your word that when we pray, wherever two or more are gathered, you're there with us. Thank you for always having time for us. God, give us a persistent prayer life. God, there are women and men at all of our campuses. And the truth is, God, they've been praying for things. And like that widow in Luke 18, God, they've, they've prayed and they've prayed and they've prayed and they've prayed. God, there are times when you seem silent. There are times when the answers come back and they're not exactly what we want. Give us the persistence of Elijah. Give us the ability to never give up. Give us expectant hearts, God. This is an issue of faith. When we pray, Father God, may we pray with great faith. May we pray and then may our actions reflect the faith and the belief, the expectancy that you are Jehovah God. You are provider. You have the power. You have the ability to move mountains and answer our prayers. May our lives then reflect that expectancy. God, mature us in the faith. Prayer is a big subject. It's one, God, that many of us have a hard time understanding. May we not need to understand everything. May we just pray like Elijah. And as a result of our individual prayers and our communal prayers, God, may you unleash power and anointing and favor and blessings in our lives and in the life of this church. This we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen, church. Amen. We love you guys at the campuses. We're going to turn it back over to your worship teams as we continue to worship in spirit with you. God bless you. Won't you stand up, church? We're going to sing a song. Let's keep the same spirit of prayer that's in the house. Today I'm going to invite the team on out. We're going to do a song that's very simply titled, I Need You. Come on, show of hands. Anybody here who just say, you know, unashamedly, I need the Lord? That's why you're in church, right? Anybody would be willing to say, you know what? I need the Lord to show up in this particular area of my life that I have been or I'm going to start praying about. 
Throw your hands all over the place. So in the same spirit that we've had here all day today, let's cry out to God. Let's sing out to God to the top of our lungs and let's just pray. Let's let this song be in the spirit of prayer. Amen? Praying that God would meet us here. Start to move mountains. Start to make a way where there might not seem to be a way. Let's worship Him for He is worthy. Amen? Amen. Here we go, John. Thank you so much for joining us today. If you would like to learn more about the ministries of New Hope Church, please stop by one of our six campuses anytime or visit us online at www.newhopenc.org. If you would like to financially support the movement of New Hope, you can do so by clicking on the e-giving link at the top of our homepage. We hope you'll join us next week. May God bless you and thank you for being a part of our church family.